Welcome to Cool Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we're going to be talking to author Christina Ray Stanton. Uh, she's written a couple books, but we're going to be focusing on her book, Out of the Shadow of 9-11 today. So we're going to be talking about that experience and how uh, Jesus has uh, really helped her and, and guided her since then and has made her a stronger person since the aftermath of that. Welcome to Cool Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we have author Christina Ray Stanton on, and uh, she can be found at www.christinaraystanton.com. We'll get her to repeat that later on as well. Uh, she's got two books that she's got out, so we'll get to talking about both of those. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do right now? Yeah, so uh, I'm Christina Ray Stanton. I was born in, in North Florida, about a half an hour away from the Georgia border, and moved to New York City when I was 23 years old, have been there ever since. And I originally moved there to be an actress, you know, as one does, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids dream about doing that thing. So yeah. I went up there and, um, uh, you know, I, God had had lots of plans for me in New York City, unbeknownst to me at the time, but uh, moved up there and met my husband there and we eventually began working for a church, a church whose um, pastor is, is somewhat well-known, uh, Timothy Keller. And um, I ran their missions department. My husband was the, uh, the financial officer that um, he did all of the, um, the accounting and things like that. And, you know, um, we, to this day, we, we uh, founded a nonprofit that my husband and I are very active in. It's called Loving All Nations. It helps it helps people around the world who who have suffered from uh, with man-made and natural disasters. And um, I'm also a licensed New York City tour guide, of all things. <laughs> and then lastly, I'm an author and writer. So that's I, really, if I have a jam, that's now, it's it's being um, a writer. I just really love that. And I have a lot to pull from and and I'm inspired by by lots of things. So I love to write nowadays. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, you sound like me. A lot, a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, it's a, you know, if, if you know Enneagram, it's a very Enneagram seven trait. <laughs> we can't just stick to one thing. We just got to put ourselves out there and do a bunch of stuff or we just die. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's pretty much a personality type for sure. Yeah, my, my wife definitely gets a kick out of it. Cause I'm always jumping from uh, one one hobby to the next hobby. And, I'm, and then I go back to my other hobby again. And then, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's the way we were made man that's that's how that's how it goes yeah so why don't you tell me your testimony uh and then what god is currently doing in your life as well yeah so i grew up in florida uh grew up going to church it was a baptist church and i was baptized at age 11 and actually loved that church it was very active they had a wonderful youth department but like a lot of, like a lot of folks, a lot of kids went to college and, you know, wasn't thinking much about God or church or anything else. And then when I moved up to New York city, when I was 23, it, it even kind of uh, got worse from there, so to speak. In fact, there's, there's probably a, a, a good five-year time when I was wondering if, if I had any faith at all, or if, if it was just an inherited faith from my parents, or maybe it was a cultural Christianity that, that um, I had bought into when I was young, but now I'm, you know, I was thinking I'm a, I'm a sophisticated New Yorker now, and and um, it's all about me, and and I'm in control, and and I I make my own decisions, and and really I work hard, and that if I want anything, I will get it from the fruits of my own labor, and so I'm in control of it all, until I wasn't, which was uh, at 9/11, and that was a kind of a, a very much a rude awakening for me. That morning, we we lived six blocks away from the Twin Towers. By the way, I was 32 at the time. My husband was 35. We'd been married about a year and a half. And we were new to that apartment. It was, uh, we'd only been there for two months. But that morning, I was asleep. My husband um, ran into to the bedroom and shook me awake. And the impact of the, the first plane hitting the North Tower had actually shaken our building because we were so close. We were only a few blocks away from the Twin Towers. So we ran out to the terrace to see what was going on. We saw the, the, the flames and the smoke from the North Tower. We weren't exactly sure what had happened. We certainly didn't know it was a plane. When right over our right-hand shoulder, the second plane came right over us, went right in front of us and turned what I call an eight o'clock, two o'clock. 
and went into the South Tower. And again, we were so close that my husband's done the math and realized we were the plane was about 500 feet above us. And again, when you're when we were just a few blocks away, it actually blew us back into our apartment. The shock waves blew us back into our apartment and not knocked me out. So I, I came to on the floor of my living room with my dog jumping on my torso. And, you know, that started the craziness for us really of, of the day, grabbing the dog, running down the 24 flights. As soon as I got outside, I realized I had no shoes. I'm still in my pajamas. We walked a few blocks to Battery Park to try to get as far away from the devastation and the Twin Towers and, and what was going on as, as possible. It was a little 25 acre park down there at the tip of Manhattan. But the problem is, is you're surrounded on three sides by water, the Hudson, the East River and the New York Harbor. So when the towers came down, we weren't safe at all. We believe they, they could have reached us in the park. We were very aware of that. We ended up being covered by dust and debris, not able to breathe. It was like a a snow globe down there. We were just running in a dust cloud, not able to breathe. And it was there. My husband and I said goodbye to each other. We just thought that any worse than this, uh, just one more level down and we're not going to survive it. And my husband grew up Catholic and he started praying the Lord's prayer, I think out of a default. And I just remember thinking, wow, you know, I, I just got married. I had all these dreams and plans and Broadway stardom dreams that are doing me no good right now. And uh, I did think about God. I wondered where he was on all this. I wondered if I would be going to heaven if I died. You know, that old childhood things that you learn kind of kicked in. But then that scared me even more because I thought I, I don't even know where I'm going. And I, I don't think that I would get accepted in this state that I've been in ever since I was uh, in high school. And it was a, just a very sad, lonely time and very scary. People around me were... It was just a chaotic scene. People throwing themselves in the harbor, trying to swim away, crying, screaming. Um, we were evacuated by a kind of a famous story, the 9-11 boat, boat evacuation, the largest boat evacuation in history. We didn't get back into our apartment for two more weeks because we were in kind of a, a, a no, um, no entry zone. It was a, a kind of like a yellow cr uh, police crime seen tape <laughs> mm -hmm. around where we lived because we lived so close to the um um to to the attack zone that there was there was a lot going on we were couch surfing uh, we were uh, wearing donated clothes that we got at the the goodwill our dog was dying he was in the vet he had licked the dust off of his fur which included ground up glass and it had shredded his insides he was hovering between life and death my husband found out a very good friend of his had died in the attacks that he went to college with. And it just, it's, it's it, it, what it, there was no end to, to the devastation. And it was just a really dark time. We began suffering from PTSD. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And it was just, it was, it was rough, but it, you know what? We were actually um, helped by a local church. And uh, that help was transformative and ended up pointing us to Christ and changing our lives. So it's really in our low point when the church reached out with an outreach program to help survivors that that was so um, wonderful and, uh, and impactful and pointing to Christ um, as the originator of, of their help that, that worked on me. I, I, I mm -hmm. literally asked Christ into my life. So did my husband and it, it changed our lives to this day. Everything that populates our world to this day has, uh, has its journey back to nine 11. So it, it completely changed our lives. Jesus completely changed our life. And, um, but it all started with that, with nine 11. Yeah. And I still remember the uh, exact time when I, I heard about nine 11, I was on the school bus uh, on the way to school that morning and I thought it was some weird stupid joke I didn't I didn't think right. it was serious until they uh teachers brought us all to the uh, library to watch it and uh, we spent a good portion of the day watching it on television uh as it unfolded and I remember the tv in our house was on at all times and that was running so I, I definitely remember uh that time and I couldn't imagine being so close to it uh it's just 
amazing but jesus and god in general has a a way of taking these terrible situations in our lives and bringing good out of them as he's done with you yes um can you um tell us a little bit about how what the lasting impact on you has been uh since then i know you said you had ptsd i know exactly what that's all about because i've got that myself but uh can you just walk us through um, a little bit about that lasting impact? You know, it's really, there's, there's so many, it's, it's hard to, to isolate just one, because like I said, pretty much everything in our lives right now is, is, is related to our experience on nine 11. Mm-hmm. We did end up quitting our jobs and going into ministry. And I don't condone that for, for people that God can use you exactly where you are and, and, and through whatever job, whatever position you have, whatever career you have. But in our case, that's, that's where the Holy spirit led us. So we, we did, let's say, leave the corporate world and we both started working in ministry. In fact, we began working for the church that had helped us. And my husband is still there. I think he celebrated 20 years this year that he's been working there. He's one of their oldest um, uh, employees, oldest in however long he's been there. (laughs) He's probably oldest in age too. And I became the director of their outreach programs um, um, for for about 10 years. And I I became just really interested in outreach programs because we were the recipient of one. And it had so been, it had so changed our lives that, that I wanted that same experience for others who were going through a, a tough time. And we all suffer, right? The Bible says we're all going to suffer. And so everybody's going to get to their own low point at different, at different times in their life over, over different situations. And I want, I was always just so interested ever since 9-11, like how can a church, you know, address uh, a, a low point of, let's say, if, if you get a divorce, if you have if a family member dies, if you go through a natural and man-made disaster, I just became really interested because it's where the church can and should shine. You know, whenever there's an inequality or, or social justice issues, I mean, that is that kind of the ground zero for, for, for the church being able to show up. That's where we should be showing up. And so I, I began working um, with their outreach programs and revamping that and seeing what, what, you know, what do people need when they're at their, at their, at their lowest point and, and how can we reach out and help them and restore them and, and bring them to a, an understanding of Christ. So I've, I've been doing that ever since. That's probably the biggest way that it impacted our lives because it impacted really our, our, our careers. We, we switched over to ministry, but even in small ways, uh, we have, there's lasting effects. Um, you know, when, when we were out of our apartment, uh, I'd never had that experience of not having a bed to lie in my, 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 my pillow to, to put my head on. And I, I found that just really dehumanizing, very discombobulating. Like I said, I've never had that experience. And I wouldn't call it homelessness. And it only lasted two weeks. And people who are refugees or, or who, who struggle with homelessness, that it, two weeks is nothing. But, but the little taste of it just really gave me a passion for um, uh, people who are who are housing poor, especially refugees. And so like, for instance, I'm very uh, active in helping refugees uh, feel um, hosp- uh, hospitality and helping them with, with, their, with their needs. And um, so that it just aroused a lot of passions, what I feel like a lot of God-given passions. And, um, and then to all things like, I still have a fear of flying mm-hmm. <laughs> from I 9-11. I, I fly, but it te- it literally terrifies me. I do it, but it terrifies me. So um, I think there's almost nothing left that it didn't uh, leave a mark in our lives. So on on every level. Yeah, I know my wife hates flying too. Uh, it's it, it's interesting flying with her because usually my arm gets very sore from her grabbing my arm <laughs> so tightly, and, and the air is turned on as cold as it can get so that it can. Uh, <laughs> she, she she finds that that when it's cold she's a, it calms her a little bit <laughs> well, we, you know we i've i've had to do little tricks because i i travel a lot doing short-term missions around the world and i feel like if i give into the fear 
then the blessings that, that, that come about on a mission trip, I won't be able to experience. And I do love mission trips and I love going to other countries and I love a cross-cultural ministry and that totally wouldn't be there if I gave into the fear. And so it's a, it's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle that, that God wins and it, but, uh, it's just a kind of a, it's a, almost like background noise in my life of, of things to deal with. And, and it's okay. I, I, it, it gets dealt with. So what inspired you to put it all to paper to, to get both this experience and your COVID experience, which we haven't talked about yet, to put both of those to paper and get them onto, uh, into a book? Great. That's a great question. So I remember I, on the 10 year anniversary, uh, it was on a Sunday and my church asked me to give my testimony uh, during those services. Well, for one thing, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, that's a church that, that we worked at, still work at, still go to, uh, is, is very large. There's several thousand people who, who go there. And the idea of, of course, of standing in front of several thousand, talking about something that was still a very sensitive topic, scared me to death. But I remember when I got up to give my testimony, um, I was devastated for months afterward, like in a big, big depression. And that was abnormal, certainly for me. And I kind of realized I, I did have some unresolved thoughts and feelings, or maybe I hadn't put everything into words. Maybe I hadn't mapped out really the journey that God had, had taken us down and through. I just kind of, after, after 9-11, just tried to try to establish a new normal and this new normal with, with Christ and just took it from there. But I, I felt like it was time to, ha to have some reflection and to think back of where God had met me along the, the path and turn, turn my heart to him and where I accepted him and accepted that I'm a sinful person and, and understood that I'm not in control, that he is sovereign. So that uh, I just felt like it was time to do that. And it was spurred on by the, the issues I had following trying to give my testimony at church at the 10 year anniversary. And also like I told you, I'm a licensed New York city tour guide. I take people on a basis to the nine 11 Memorial and I give tours of the nine 11 Memorial. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people who don't make it up to New York. And I would love to share my testimony with those who don't come. It's easy to share my testimony when I'm on a tour and I, we're looking at the memorial, but uh, not so easy um, when we're not face to face. So I decided to, to put it in a, in a book form. It's just a long testimony in a book form. Well, it can be very healing uh, writing. It's very therapeutic. I, it's something I've always fallen back on throughout my life is, is writing, whether it's poetry or books or, or songs. It's just very healing. So I, I'm and glad that- it's also good to to for everybody if if you're if you self identify as a Christian mm -hmm. to take some time to you know, really think and maybe even write it down how about your journey with 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 Jesus where has he met you what miracles have you seen what 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 have what has uh, being a Christian brought to your life where where do you stand so I'm a big I'm actually a big fan of of, of testimony um, what, what I do is I help people write their testimonies because a lot of people and what I've realized through years of doing that is a lot of people were like me they haven't done what what I at one point sat down to do in writing my book is is you know what where has God where did God meet me? Where did God, uh, his presence bless me? Where, where was I changed? And I think there's, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. And it kind of encourages people. Um, what I love about testimonies is the fact that it does encourage people to go, to go out there and share their faith with other people, uh, share about Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do uh, is share our faith uh, with other people and not just keep it to ourselves. So yeah, sure. I, I love that you help people write their testimonies because testimonies are so powerful in terms of reaching people at different points in their lives. Absolutely. But I have to say, you know, taking it a step further is, is sometimes when I have asked people to share their testimony, you know, we get a story of their lives. A testimony is specifically where Jesus met you and turned your heart of stone to a heart of flesh and turned it to him and, and how he's still writing the story in your life. But it's not about your background. It's literally about where Jesus met you. And it doesn't have to have a backdrop of 9-11 to be interesting at all. So, but the, but the, the, 
I guess the journey of writing it down uh, is is important because it, it forces you to get organized and, and and in your thoughts. So you're not just kind of just saying your life story. You're you you, you are succinct at at, at uh, being able to verbalize where where Christ met you, what a difference he's made in your life. And when you understood that you're not in control, when you understood that he was sovereign, when you understood that that um, uh, that his his miraculous blessings. Uh, um, uh, you know, when you're going through life and something cool happens, you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you just kind of move on to the next thing. But to really take that time to thank Jesus and show gratitude and to tell others about that gratitude you have, but, but, but writing it down. So you, so you have it, you have it accessible, it kind of keeps you from doing a run on sentence like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it also helps you to just think to yourself and look back and like you say reflect and be like oh yeah like i can see where he helped me here i can see where he helped me here and it, it strengthens your own yes feeling of of connection and communication with the lord and that's where prayer again okay. comes comes into things because um, I, I always harp on prayer because i think it's so so key uh in in our lives is that communication um as we have a god who who wants that relationship and that personal communication with us. Um, you seem to feel like you're a stronger Christian as a result of all these um, trials that you went through, whether it be COVID or 9-11. Uh, how has that strengthened you uh, in terms of bringing you closer to God? You know, there's, there's a verse, I think it's in Philippians that said when that, that, Essentially, when you go through a trial, you are blessed in that you can help others. You have something tangible to offer. You have tangible help. You've been through a trial. You have found that God is who he says he is. You see other people stumbling and in pain and hurting. And that's, you use all, you utilize your pain. You, you, God doesn't waste the pain. You can reach back and, and offer something very tangible to others to help them through their, their tough times. And um, so I, I feel like pain isn't wasted and pain is, is, is there to grow you so you can help others in that gap because we all find ourselves there for different reasons. And, so and, and, you know, we're supposed to really as Christians pour into each other. Of course, I believe we're, we're to pour into everyone. But specifically, we're, we live as as family units. You know, we're brothers and sisters. You're my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I don't have to know you. I, you. You say you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. We're brothers and sisters. It's part of the mystery of Christ is how we knit us together as a family. And we're supposed to pour into each other and help each other through life. You know, the, the scripture about singing songs and, um, and, and hymns to each other and just build each other up. And I feel like that, that is what suffering has done to me, but also giving me a real sense of, of, of the awe of realizing how God is sovereign. You know, there's, there's so many verses that talk about, um, you know, God's sovereignty that there's that famous thing, uh, John 16, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world is such a, a beautiful statement. And it just takes you out of the equation. It's God. God has overcome the world and he knows your future and he's got you. And um, so, you know, I've, I, I, I love that meme that I've seen on, on Facebook that God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful and being faithful is being in relationship with him because that's what he asks us to do. And knowing that he's sovereign, um, knowing that even we'll hurt, we'll, we'll, we'll go through tough times. He's, he, he doesn't, he, being a, his child doesn't mean we're immune, but he will take us through those tough times and um, yeah, come out the other side, help people help your brothers and sisters pour into their lives. Hey, I've been there. I understand. Let me help you through this as well. It's uh, there's, there's a lot that can come out of suffering. Yeah. And I think it's important uh, what you said, taking me out of the equation, because we're such a me focused society. Everything is about me. What do I get out of this? Uh, and uh, we really, as Christians, we need to stop looking at it. Like, what do I get out of this? Right, right, right. We need to start looking at it and being like, 
what does God bring into this equation and what can we do to help spread God's word? So along it, those lines, and it's, I love that Galatians 2.20 reminds us of that. Yeah. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself from me. There's a lot of me's and eyes, but essentially saying uh, Christ lives in me. I mean, that's your, yeah. the lens that you now look through. That's how you see the world is when Christ is in you. So yeah, you're right. The, the eyes and me's, you know, take, take a back seat. It, it, it's, it's, it's Christ who is the driver in this, which to it, me is very comforting. It is. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the pressure even off of you uh, because you realize that whatever, whatever comes about, God is going to be there. God is guiding it. God knows what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, he's omniscient and uh, he's omnipresent. So, I mean, he's everywhere and he knows all. And it's a great reminder. Uh, and I love the verse you quoted. Uh, it's a great verse. It is. Uh, it is. So why don't you walk us through a little bit about your COVID experience as well? Um, doesn't have to be a long one. Just, yeah. just briefly walk, walk us through your COVID journey. And, and, and yet again, that is also related to 9-11, our COVID battle. Yet we remember, my husband and I are, are a member of something called the World Trade Center Health Registry. It is a club that we never wanted to join, but yet here we are, that monitors our health, believing that inhaling the toxic dust and debris from 9-11 affected our health. And you might've heard that we have passed the threshold recently that more people have died from cancers that were caused by inhaling the toxic dust and smoke than people who died on that day, which would mean over 3000 people have subsequently died of, of cancers from 9-11 and people are still dying. A lot of people don't know that, but it's still very much a part of, um, of a lot of people's lives because it affected our health. So our health is monitored constantly through the, uh, because of uh, our experience around 11. So we were told um, around early March that, hey, pandemic is coming, it's coming here. If you've been affected by 9-11, you'd be among the groups that would have a pre-existing condition. You might want to watch out for that, do what you can to mitigate the factors of being exposed to it. So my husband and I left New York. We, we were so convinced that, well, you know, we've suffered health issues ever since 9-11. This might, um, we, don't, we certainly don't want to add to it. So we left and we left with COVID unknowing mm -hmm. that we did. Either that or we got COVID on the plane ride trying to flee the city. Um, and so, uh, maybe it was in the air on the plane. I guess we'll never know. But uh, on the 17th, uh, realized that, that we had COVID of March, 2020. And that was a very scary time because that, it was still so new and not much was known. I was the, the only, the first person that almost everybody I knew who knew, you know, semi with COVID, meaning me. So, um, you know, it's it just, there were so many unknowns. There really wasn't even anything to treat it with. So, but it did hit me really hard. I was hospitalized twice. I was told that I had a 50% chance of surviving. And, you know, I was in, I was quarantined in a hospital in Tampa. And it was really interesting to me because I'm not from Tampa. I don't have any relationship with Tampa. God bless Tampa and the area, by the way, as of today. Yeah. Very, very concerned about that. Um, Hurricane Ian. I but, do know uh, people there. Yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. So I was in Tampa General Hospital, quarantined as, as we all were. And, uh, you know, it was it was it was a scare. The scary part was the virus itself. Um, how it was manifesting in my body, it, it, it seemed like an alien was had, had invaded and was trying to do all kind of damage and destruction. But what was interesting to me was I was facing this calamity with Jesus. And it was a whole different experience from when I faced 9-11 without. I mean, here I was quarantined, couldn't be around anybody, this, this crazy virus. And I was just so glad that it was just me and Jesus. And I was, I prayed all day, you know, I couldn't watch the news. 
or I could distract myself because the news were, were playing stories about deaths and COVID and this and that. I noticed when I watched the news, I'd feel worse. Same thing with social media. I couldn't go on social media. People were sharing and resharing horrible stories. And I couldn't talk on the phone because I didn't have the lung capacity. So I was like, well, there, there you go. You know, I, it's just me and you Lord. And I, I, in fact, I prayed out loud and a nurse ran in thinking I was having some kind of a hallucination or something because <laughs> she'd seen me on the monitor talking out loud, but I was so grateful that it was just me and God. And I said, God, if this is the end of the road for me, that's fine. I want to be at peace, no anger. Just uh, let me finish, run the race and finish strong. And I just was remember just being so grateful that God had given me 20 more years. I was just so glad. I was like, I was so sure that we were probably going to die on that day of 9-11. And I had the, I had 20 years of knowing Christ and having Christ, uh, you know, guide my husband and I, and it's been a blessed 20 years. I just remember feeling so grateful. Maybe I was on like a, <laughs> an IV high or something, but I, I, I just was, um, I was just so glad that God was with me. I had, I, cause I wasn't alone at all. I was alone quarantine and not alone at all. I had the Holy spirit with me. I had um, brought my computer and I'd sent out probably 500 emails asking people to pray for me. And since I had been on so many mission trips, I was asking people from around the world in different countries that we had gone to on mission trips to, to pray for me. And I really felt covered in prayer and was just glad that, that uh, feeling just, and also feeling grateful that the fear part came in just because you didn't know what course this virus was going to take, but also just comforted. And I mean, I just can't imagine facing these kind of situations with, with, without Jesus, uh, just such a, such a comforting, uh, experience when, when, when you, when you find out you have nothing, Jesus is all you need. And, and in that hospital, I've really had nothing and Jesus was all I needed. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a, an important message to remember uh, for anybody going through these, these kind of trials uh, in their life. Uh, where can people find you uh, or your books online? I know I mentioned it before, but we'll go over that again. I think they're, they're kind of everywhere. Books a Million, Barnes and Nobles, or Amazon, but they're there. Christina Ray Stanton, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-R-A-Y, which is my maiden name, and Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N. I also write um, a lot of articles. If um, anybody's on Facebook, I'm Christina Ray Stanton, author. You're welcome to keep up with me there. I'm, I'm actually writing a series of what I call modern day Christian heroes. And you know what? I, I think I'm like a lot of people. I get a lot of inspiration from people who are following the Holy Spirit and doing wonderful things in the name of Jesus. And I love writing about them. So I'm, I've been writing a series all this year. I think I've written about 21 people and I still have many more to go. But I get a lot of inspiration from, from those who um, who love Jesus and are just serving him. And, and that's, uh, so if you like to keep up with with my writings, it's, it's, it's there as well on Facebook. Yeah, and I that's why I love hearing people's testimonies is it's it's all the different ways that God is is at work in people's lives through different situations. And it is it is very um encouraging to to just hear those those stories and uh to see. And I get just ask my wife after every to uh, one of these testimonies, I'm always emailing her being like oh this this was a fantastic one like I love this one and it's it's great I, I get super excited about these well I read a lot like a lot of people and I like the news um but let's be honest these are these are tough times for Christians these are tough times meaning we're at least in America we're kind of at each other's throats mm -hmm. and um the news isn't um that much better secular news so I feel like while there's a lot of content on what we're doing wrong as Christians and, and bickering back and forth, what goes flies right over all of that noise. And there's a, there's a place for it. I like to, I, I also, I like to also examine my heart through a lot of, a lot of, uh, of, uh, articles that, that, um, that are, that are tough to read. I really feel encouraged by people like back at the ranch. I'm still following the Holy spirit and I'm going and doing this. And I get a lot of encouragement from hearing non-news or non-divisive things so that people who are so in tune with the Holy spirit that 
that all the noise going on around us and, and at our churches and in our countries that we can just fly above that and just say, yet the Holy Spirit has, has work for me to do. I, I am, I am a child of, of, of Jesus who set me on this earth, um, to bring glory to him. And that's what I'm about. And that's what I'm following. And that's, what's important to me. And it's those kind of stories that, that remind me that I'm here to glorify God and, and, um, look at these other folks who are glorifying God, you know, like Lord, just Lord, just use me. Yeah. And, uh, unity is something that definitely as a Christian community, we, we lack so much these days. Uh, and I've spoken on it a few times, uh, but we really need to, the, yes, there's doctrinal things that we stand on that, that we stand for, but we let a lot of little differences become these big mountains between us as brothers and sisters in Christ and we let it divide us and we really need to just focus on being like how do we glorify god is our division glorifying god or is it hindering us being a light for god and uh the answer is that it is it's hindering us and so we need to we need to find ways of bridging a lot of these gaps um without sacrificing our doctrinal uh foundations that we stand upon but unity is important. Uh, and like you say, we're a family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to act like it. And, you know, it's interesting because when you read in the Bible, there's so much talk of the hand and the foot, how we're all bound together as a community for brothers and sisters in Christ and community, this and community that, and it's just so clear in the Bible that we are meant to live in community with each other. We're supposed to help uh, bring each other up and, and point to Christ and, and, um, pour ourselves into each other. And honestly, I'm, I'm just like a lot of people. Sometimes I can, I can just go get so frustrated mm -hmm. that I just want to go over here by myself or with people who feel like I do and my loved ones and, and point some fingers. I mean, I'm no better <laughs> than, than anybody doing that, no. but I know when I get in that stance, I know that I can be as isolated as I want to be. And that's not what the Bible is, is saying that we, that we need to be doing. We need to be living in community with each other. And also it's harder for me to glorify God when I'm in that state of mind, because that state of mind means I'm angry. And, yeah. and I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not who I, I feel like God put me on this earth to be when I'm in that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm going through those kind of funks. And so, uh, when, when things are challenging and hard now, it, I just have to do a lot more reminding myself of, you know, what is our purpose? Our purpose is, is to, um, love, each, love, love our neighbor as ourselves and to glorify God while we're on this earth. And, and there's things that I can do to, to keep that channel moving along. And one of them is to not feed into, um, what's really popular nowadays is, you know, pointing fingers and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's easy. It's an easy trap to fall in and I'm just as guilty. Yeah. Well, we all need to remember that, like you said, we're no better. Like we all have sin and uh, there's no pyramid of sin. It's, it's, we have sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's one of the core foundations, like uh, of the Christian faith, we all fall short. And uh, so we need to remember that. And, uh, and that's why I think uh, discipleship is something that I bring up to quite often because I think it's important to have a mentor uh, or to be mentoring someone, to be able to share your your faith with someone and go back and forth and be like, I'm struggling with this today uh, and be able to just talk about those things with someone. Uh, so I, I do recommend that uh, as well as uh, if you're not going to church, going to church, uh, having that fellowship feeling important it gives you that feeling of family and you can connect uh so uh, i do encourage both those things both mentorship uh discipleship and uh going to church uh because uh it really is great to have a church that you attend and a body of believers you can communicate and fellowship with and and pray with and yeah. be it and be in prayer with um and go to when you need prayer because uh goodness knows we all need prayer Right. But it's so interesting because a lot of times we talk about how we're being uh, persecuted and for our faith. 
But actually what I have found is the connotation is that non-believers are persecuting. I have found in my life that the persecuting um, that a lot that happens a lot are among Christians. And we just, we have to remind ourselves, we're trying to be a witness for the world and, um, and, and uh, let that be the forefront and our, our, our actions reflecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our actions reflecting the fact that that we're supposed to be a witness and bring people to Christ and 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 to let them know, you know, we have something that is is amazing and wonderful. And why would anybody want to uh, follow any of our examples when we have an example of of anger and and hatred and yeah? So, but yeah, again, I, I'm sounding very judgmental. I'm talking to the choir here. Yeah, it's a daily struggle. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about that yesterday too, about how uh, so many of us we we attack each other, uh, and uh, it it can be a a very very big problem uh, in the church. And I mean, Peter and Paul both speak of of unity often uh, in the church and about putting aside those differences. Yes, you're holding each other to account for it, but remembering that you're no better remembering that you still have to approach that out of a place of love love right yes exactly uh, and and judgment is what a lot of people fall into and it is an easy trap to fall into we all fall into it uh so like you say no better uh we all fall into that judgment trap and uh it, it's just important to remember that okay when i am speaking to somebody about away something that they have faltered in just remember i'm approaching this with love and remember i have faltered in many ways and i would want someone to tell me if they thought i was faltering and be like uh you need to go to prayer this is some scripture maybe to to look at that might help you that's how we need to be approaching our differences and, and ways that that we end up faltering within the church rather than judging uh because judging isn't necessarily out of love it's it, it's oftentimes it's out of that place of of uh oh i, I think i'm better than you like <laughs> i also think a lot about being a safe person for people i would love to be considered that individual who who f- people feel safe around like i can tell her what i'm thinking and feeling she's not going to judge me um, I'm being persecuted over here by these other people, but you know what, Christina is all, uh, makes me, makes me feel loved and loving. And I, I leave her. like, like, have, have you um, heard of this CS Lewis book called the great divorce? Oh yeah. There's, there's this scene in the great divorce about uh, a woman in heaven and <clears throat> an, an observer was saying, you know, who was she on earth? Was she a princess? Was she a queen? Was she this one? Like, um, and the person like, no, no, she wasn't. She was just, um, she was just a, an everyday woman who had a lot of love in her essentially is what it is. And I, I, I love that vision of like, wow, um, we all want safe people. And I strive to be that safe person. That would be the highest honor. Yeah. And again, I, that is uh, part of the role of mentorship is being that, that safe place between the two of you. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, very, very important. Um, what advice would you have for, for those who are dealing with the aftermath of some kind of trauma? It doesn't matter what kind of trauma, but any kind of trauma. What advice would you have for them? You know, when you experience trauma, there's the, the brain is trying to make sense of that experience that has just literally um, put it out of whack, put you out of whack. It, it's, it's trying to make sense of something nonsensical. And it's so individual of how we struggle with trauma, of, of, of how we deal with it. Um, and so it's it's hard to say what, what everybody should do, like in a general terms, because we all react differently. But I think probably one of the most healing things that we can do is, is talk about, that we talked about a safe person is to go to your church, see if they have a counseling department, see if they have some kind of a diaconate. What what you're wanting to do is find some safe people to confide in who can bring you to scripture, who can meet you where kind of where you are and, um, 
and help talk you through your thoughts and feelings. Because again, we all just have different reactions that, um, but, but really, uh, love, um, loving somebody through a, through a trauma experience in the aftermath is something I feel like a a lot of churches do really well. And they usually have point people to help uh, guide people through the the kind of the grieving process, um, uh, after experience. So I, I just would really, um, uh, encourage people to, to, to go to your church and to see who, who is that, who is that person who, um, who is that trauma facilitator. Of course, I'm a huge fan of counseling, massive fan of counseling, Christian counseling specifically, because you, to, you, you need to know where God stands, um, in all of this yeah. you need counseling, Christian counseling oftentimes just reminds you that you are a child of God and what that means, just reminding you how important you are to God. And there's so many scriptures that talk about, um, uh, what the Bible says about that s- special status as being a child of God. So I, but also, you know, we also just everyday people can help each other. You know, um, when I went to the church, um, in the aftermath of nine 11, they were offering financial assistance, counseling, all kind of aid. And I had to have like a, a screening meeting with two point people. And I had a big chip on my shoulder. I was like, okay, so what's this going to look like? Are they going to proselytize to me? Are, are there, am I going to get intrusive follow-up calls, um, is asking me, inviting me to church? Cause I, I wasn't even going to the church that I went to, to get, to receive 9-11 assistance. Um, are they going to ask me if I'm a Christian or am I going to have to tell my quote, quote story to complete strangers? I had a lot of, uh, fear and like a, a chip on my shoulders, what to expect. And of course, these, these ladies were so loving who met with me that they did something that's a psychological term called bearing witness, which is what we can all do for each other, which is simply listening without judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did, they bore witness to my pain. They bore witness to my suffering. They got in there with me in a completely non-judgmental way. And they simply wanted to hear what I had to say. And really we can do that for each other. A bearing witness is what anybody can do. You're, you're listening to somebody, no judgment. You may be thinking, I mean, our first default is to say, well, if I were in your position, I would do A, B, and C, you know, but literally putting all that to the side and just being there for the person, letting them know that you care. We can all do that. Oh, yeah. And uh, churches are good at doing that in so many different ways, uh, whether that's through um, food programs for people who have who have been who are going through something or um, who suffered a loss in the family, you know, providing a meal, just uh, my wife and I have done that for people. We've had it done for us. Uh, and it, it really is a, a help at that time. It's one less thing you have to think about. I don't have to think about where the next meal is coming from. Like what, how am I going to uh, make food when I really just don't feel like making food? Uh, it, it is just one less thing to think about. And uh, it really does, like I say, bear witness uh, as well as churches are good at financial aid uh, for a lot of people who, who are struggling. Uh, my wife and I have had that so many times at the church where it's, it's like uh, suddenly a $200 gift card for groceries has popped up in our mailbox. And we've been like, thank you, Lord. We did not know where the next meal was coming from. Thank you, Lord. And I, I encourage churches that if you don't have some type of program and we can't all have the same program, we all have different needs, different demographics, different income that we can, that we can work with or work from different, but uh, to have uh, some basic things in place of, of helping people with, tra- with uh, through trauma, mm-hmm. having different point people, maybe have a counseling or a social worker on hand, but there's church, every single church, no matter what you know, where they're, where they're at can offer and should offer, um, uh, different services, even, even free services, uh, free for them, um, get volunteers, uh, but every, every church should have something in place, um, for that kind of outreach. Because again, since we all are broken and we all suffer on this, on this earth, that, um, that it's, that's where the church comes in. That's, that's, that's where, that's part of what we're set, what's set here to do is to, to be a, a lifeline pointing to Christ, to help restore, to help point to Christ as the, the great restorer. 
So every church can do that. Yeah, and a lot of churches have um, grief programs too for people who yeah, are sure. who have sure. lost someone or went through something where they can share and they biblical foundation can be given throughout and be like, okay, well, this is what the Bible has to say. This is how you can look to turn to Christ for help. And those programs are all work. Uh, same with counseling. Uh, I know Christian counseling is a lot of work. Uh, it's self-reflection uh, as well as uh, reflecting on, oh, well, look at it from this way. God was still there for me in this time. And Christian counselors are fantastic. I, I love my Christian counselor. I would go back to her anytime I needed help because she, yes. she's just fantastic. Um, and our church, that's who our church refers people to is to this Christian counselors. We don't have a specific counseling department. We're not a big enough church for that, but we do have this counselor that, you know, we refer people to. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's great to see Christians coming together like that and helping each other. Uh, yeah. And churches do, that is something churches are fairly good at is is having those kind of programs and stuff where they can you know you're going through a tough time let's help you uh, so I, I love to see that in church and that is a great way to get that community feeling going right 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 so thank you for coming on and sharing with us it has been a real pleasure um i i look forward to having you on another time yet uh and uh, we'll discuss something else but thanks for coming on and sharing with us today thank you and i do hope um to connect with your listeners again, my Facebook is Christina Ray Stanton, um, uh, comma author, and come come on my site and read about some of these people that I think are the most fabulous people who are just loving Jesus. So so come and um, be encouraged with me. It's the reason why I wrote is because, uh, about these folks because they're they're so encouraging to me, and I'm hoping that there will be an inspiration to others as well. So keep up with my writing. Um, my my books are on Amazon, and again. Um, you know, I don't make any money for my writing. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, but uh, it goes right into our uh, nonprofit that helps those around the world who um, who suffer from man-made natural disasters. So, all of any, all in all, and every proceed goes to that, and it's um, I'm, I'm very happy about that. So, um, I'm literally just saying this, hoping to be um, to be an, an encouragement through my writing. And we'll put a link to your website in the description of the video. So if anyone wants to check that out, just click on the link in the description. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just been listening to author Christina Ray Sten talk about her book, Out of the Shadow of 9-11. She's talked about how that experience has shaped her life and how Jesus Christ and and God has been able to work through her life uh, and bring something good out out of that tragedy. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.